Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingsam. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, I connected with Samuel Mensa, who is the owner and CEO of Uncle John's Bakeries, which is the UK's number one Ghanaian bakery. Sam is an entrepreneur of heart and soul and have over the last five years together with his parents and the team transformed the family business into a recognized national retail bakery and wholesaler, partnering with great brands such as Morrison, Tesco, Deliveroo, Uber Eats, and they have also entered markets outside the UK in Belgium, France and Germany. And this incredible journey have also taken them to a visit to Downing Street number 10. Sam tells an amazing story about how his parents started the business from very humble conditions after arriving from Ghana to the UK in the 80s. We also talk about their approach through the pandemic and how they have reinvented parts of the business and making sure they stay relevant. Sam also gives his views on what to expect that will happen in the next 12 to 18 months, which he knows and believes will be very hard, but he also believes that they will be a better business on the other side. Sam gives some great advice we all can use to navigate the new now. And one advice really stood out, and this is one he got from his mom. We all have to remember, Obi yay yay, life will get better. So grab headphones, coffee, a notebook, and before you tune in, why not sign up to our Maverick Community Newsletter and great insights and leadership tools at Hospitality Mavericks, or just use the link in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. And we are actually on the 1st of October, uh, moving into to autumn and probably also moving into a new phase with this whole pandemic and in the food and drinks business. And uh, it's important now. It's going to be it's going to be hard. It has been hard the last six months. It's probably going to be harder. But I really looking forward to this conversation today because i think it will give us a bit of faith and hope and also see what's possible uh you know uh, in the future and and maybe this i've talked about it before on the podcast there's a you know the independent operator i know it's tough out there but there's also a massive opportunity ahead with all this change going on because business and people has changed as we know forever but we don't know 100% but they definitely changed and actually more focusing on serving their local communities and for this conversation today I was lucky to be hooked up with Samuel Mensa who's the MD of Uncle John's Bakery in London so welcome to the podcast John Samuel hi there Mark how are you I'm very well and uh, you uh, are part of a very unique niche bakery business so let people understand who are you Sam and what is your family's business all about because what I think is very unique about this conversation is that this is a true family business handed on for generation to generation. Yeah, thank you for the introduction. For our business, so Uncle John's Bakery has been running for 25 years now. This is actually our 25th year. Um, coincidentally, such a remarkable year. It's, it's an intense year for everyone. Um, but we've been running for 25 years. My parents started the business in the early 90s. Uh, they came to the UK in the early 80s. And uh, a lot of the time, they were looking for exports back from Ghana. Um, and they couldn't really find as much. I think those times it wasn't there wasn't really a lot of people here that were bringing imports over, and there was also a lot of loss of quality. Uh, within our family, we had a recipe for bread, which is really commonly known in Ghana, such as called sweet bread or sugar bread. Um, and my my dad's mum had the recipe, so that was also passed down to my dad. So we started. They started basically building a business. We worked from a bakery that was in East London in Stoke Newington, um, a Jewish bakery, actually. we would my, my dad would go in there and bake at night whilst the bakery was closed. Um, and once he had his stuff ready, he would take it out. He would deliver it to, to you know, various like little community centers within the community um, and started building the business from that. Um, we supply pretty much the whole Afro-Caribbean community. Um, and we've been doing so for 
you know this this whole period of time what has happened on that journey because you know starting for from from your dad getting up uh, in the middle of the night and uh, and uh, doing this himself the business has grown uh, into some kind of business that's not only serving the local community around uh, Stoke Newington but also gone above its borders both uh, national and international isn't that true yeah yeah so that's true i mean we so basically we kind of left they left um so my mum was really integral in terms of the part of the growth of the business as well so she came on board um helped out my dad a lot with basically bringing on different recipes refining the recipes um it got to a point where we they outgrew the space that they were in and kindly so with the family business that was going on in the bakery at the time that we were given the space to use we it, it grew out of that and we had to get our own space um and my parents basically managed to get a store in Tottenham Uh, which we still have today on West Green Road. And that store is where basically Uncle John's Bakery birthed from. It's, it, it it started to branch out from. Um, in the beginning stages, we, you know, we our, our main signature product, which is called Sweet Bread, was sold from there. And, you know, we started doing lo local deliveries here and there um, and started to grow the business. And during that time, especially in in the mid 90s coming up to 2000s uh, there was also a recession um it wasn't easy at all um and especially for a very niche kind of business to try and grow through that kind of time uh it was it was very difficult for my parents at that time and i i always remember and i always kind of when i speak to my mom as well she she always tells me the story of and i remember when i was younger i was a kid i didn't really pay attention to it as much To be honest, I just saw it as something that my parents were doing. Um, I just used to like to eat, to eat the food. <laughs> But um, I just basically, my mum used to always have this saying of which is um, called Obeye, which is in is in Ghanaian, and which means things will get better. So she always used to say to my dad that, you know, as hard as things will get, there was there was points where he had bread in the van, wanted to deliver the next day, and because of being tired. He would go for a rest and the and the actual van was stolen with all of the stock inside it. Um, and it was literally back to the drawing board. And, you know, anyone in the food industry knows that when it comes down to margins and costs, everything comes back from when you're spending money on your in your on your um, ingredients. Um, so it, it you know, things like this used to happen and it was it was difficult. It was not it was not an easy time at all. Um, but you know, they kept persevering and they kept pushing through. Um, and then also my grandmother, which is my mum's mum, also was involved in the business. She was a caterer. So she knew a lot about cakes and donuts and pies. And so we began to broaden the menu within the business. And um, from there, the business, you know, started to sustain itself. We became part of the community within Tottenham, within Haringey. And we, you know, developed, started to develop a brand and things started to grow. So It was pretty much the same like that for the part for around maybe 10 to 15 years. You know, it was a very local business. People knew where we were. People knew where to find us. Um, local shops had our products, especially a lot of the Afro-Caribbean kind of stores. Um, and I pretty much got involved, I would say. I always kind of had a foot in and a foot out. Um, just due to me, just, you know, getting my full education, going to university um and i was also involved in the music industry as well so for me that was my kind of direction but we reached i would say a kind of glass ceiling moment where i i realized that even though the, the bit of help that i was giving to my parents there was still a glass ceiling of where they could go and and my vision and my tenacity of how i view things and how i want things to be done Be that being applied to the business, um, I think would have definitely worked. And my mum spotted that very in the early stages. Um, and I wasn't too keen on it, to be honest. Um, I think just because when you grow up with something and it's just so normal and natural to you, you just you just feel like it's just there. It's not something you really want to get involved in. But as I grew older and as I, as I matured a bit more, I started to realize that There is so much more power in legacy. There's so much more power in ownership. And as well as I was doing within my music career and being in the music industry, um, I decided to take 
decision to take a fallback from music and and really take a foot in the business and really kind of spiral it to the next level. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, what what was the tipping point for you there? Because there's you know there's always you know the the the, the kids taking over the, the the family business, and and then you, as you said, you had a background from for media. What was the tipping point? Uh, the what was it exactly that happened? Was there like a specific moment where you thought this is now, and, and what kind of reflection was it that you did at that point that I need to go and do this? The main thing was was um, legacy. You know we. We grew up in an environment where, you know, a, a lot of a lot of like young young kids, a lot of young black kids like myself, don't get a chance to see, you know, people build things and you know pass things on through a generation. Um, and for me, I kind of felt like, you know, I've been through music. I've I've also been through sports, and that is the narrative that we always tend to kind of see. So for me, it was a thing of where this is a different narrative and you know it's it's not just in it's not just about me this is much bigger than than me this is this is part of, this is a community business for one and for and two you know even for for my daughter as well for her to kind of see that there is a different way there is a different you know outset in terms of life options available so it, it was more about legacy it was more about leadership within the community it was more about kind of showcasing exactly our culture and our heritage proudly but putting it on a platform and putting it out there to a level of of good quality and 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 a good level of good consistency so for me that 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 the tipping point was really realizing what we kind of had as a business and what it could be and what it can be um and yeah it was just it, it was very difficult at that time to make that kind of decision um just due to the fact of I, I was really enjoying what I was doing within music and I was I was I was you know performing I was doing I was doing festivals I was I was um talking to record labels so it was this, it was an exciting time but at the same time when you have a realization that your journey potentially is going to be much bigger than yourself you tend to st- take a, a stand back and you know look at the bigger picture and and that was the turning point for me um And we, I think in the early stages as well, when I kind of started to get involved a bit more, one of the first indications was we had a um, kind of like a small partnership. We had a partnership with Tesco's and there was a company called Euphorium that had asked us to come and be part of their project that they had bakeries within Tesco's and they were facilitating breads from different parts of the world. And they had seen that we are quite predominant inside a lot of the local kind of community areas and wanted to bring us on board. So we we started that project. And that's when I started getting a little bit more involved and the technical side of things. Um, and it kind of just showed me that there was a lot of interest and I saw an opportunity to take the business into more of the you know, the large end retail sector of 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 the world and, you know, the supermarkets and stuff. So that's where it gave me that realization and i knew that if i don't take control of it um i don't think it was it wasn't something that my parents would be able to capacitate and they were open about that also and i guess being a leader for something you know you said it yourself very niche product an afro caribbean ganesian bakery uh, and, and a very niche product range what what did that mean you know in the in in today's world you know because there's a lot of bakeries that has you know the, the bakery kind of thing have exploded over the years with you know they have the big players like gales where we had marta from gales bakery on the podcast as well and and you have lots of the independent local one all with a different angle but but this is quite niche what does that actually mean for you as a business um for me i think Growing up in London is it's always shown me that it's it's so diverse. There's so many different cultures. There's so many different things to learn. So many different people to meet, and just the experience of being in London and experiencing that from going to school, from being in in you know in college and university, um, meeting so many different kinds of people, and people trying different kinds of foods and learning different cultures. It just showed me that being different in in especially in this country and especially in the communities is is a usp and you know for what we do there is no one like us in terms of what we do so 
that being our USP was something that was is something we, we could use to our, our advantage and educate people and show people exactly what it is what it's like to be to try Ghanaian uh, baked goods or you know to come and experience what it's like to come into a Ghanaian store but still keep the the, the a good level of customer service keep the, a good level of quality and consistency and and you know there is sometimes a stigma attached to to um sometimes black businesses in terms of maybe not delivering enough quality or not delivering enough consistency and and it's something that I wanted to change that kind of narrative and showcase that no that's not that's not the case we we do care about what we do um wholeheartedly um and you know that comes from one being a family that comes from from you know supplying and supporting the community also yeah and one thing i've noticed uh, because you can hear that you you're talking very proud about your product and the quality and and, and you've been been handed over a lot of you know beautiful uh, recon recognitions from major institution and the, the the biggest one i when i was looking into you guys there's of course the time out magazine but i think downing street number 10 what 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 was that about and it's uh you know and and how did you end up serving bread there i mean for us it's 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 been we we've had a very interesting journey over the past i would say five years five to six years that's when i i stepped in to be officially like the the ceo and 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 actually be the owner of the company and you know my parents took more of a back seat even though they find it hard not to at the moment, it's, 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 I guess it's like, it's their baby. So there is a whole load of, um, uh, passion that they still have for it and, and tension, you know, trying, you know, bringing in these new ideas and new things, but yeah, it got to the point where we, you know, from the Tesco's it, we started getting more recognition, you know, we built our whole distribution arm. We started supplying, we do about probably around, 200 stores around the around just around London in itself we we supply stores outside of the outside of London also outside of the M25 and it, it started to just to grow um the branding of the business also changed and f- it was a spiral effect really we obviously the first kind of major publication that came to us was Time Out magazine um we did stuff with Vice magazine also and you know that really started propelling the business into a, a new kind of limelight and exposing us to our, a, a new audience. Um, and for me, it was people were recognizing you know the change and the growth in the business, and a lot of people wanted to kind of see and know who was behind this change. Um, at this point, to be honest, I I didn't really wanted to want to be the face. Um, I just wanted to be behind the scenes and just orchestrate things as much as possible and work with the team and empower people and try to get things moving. But uh, again, it was also another turning point and a realization that it is important to kind of see who is behind and, you know, the mindset behind the change and the, and the growth. So people can kind of resonate with it a bit more and, you know, it being we're part of the community. So people want to see, you know who who is doing this and how is this happening and how is this being sustained so off the back of that i got basically nominated for um a british black business award um as a rising star entrepreneur and made it as one of the finalists for the category yeah went to the ceremony being there and you know having that acknowledgement is 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 a great and amazing thing and off the back of that basically uh we received a call I think it was like a Saturday and um, we were doing a deep clean in the factory. Normally I'm not in, but I think I was just in on that day just to kind of oversee and I was passing by and then the phone rang. And when the phone rang, something was saying to me, just pick it up because normally the phone rings for me a lot. Um, So I tend to get people in office to either answer the calls and stuff like that because I always have a lot of other different things I'm sorting out and doing. Um, so it picks up the phone call and then um, it was a call from a private number and the person said, oh, I'm calling from, you know, uh, the office at 10 Downing Street and we would like to invite Samuel to come down for a business leader's reception that we're holding. Um, so I was like, okay. So they, I, I got past the message and then I, I spoke to the lady on the phone and she said, yeah, you know, we would love to have you down. Um 
would you would you be up for the invite? And I said, yeah, that would that would be great. And then the business mind in me said, oh well, if we are coming, if I'm coming down, would it be um, basically would we have the opportunity to to kind of partly cater for the event? So, um, um, and she said she doesn't see why that isn't a problem. So I think she went to go and ask um, senior people within the team, and um, that's how that happened basically. So. On the day we, as well as we had like a stall set up inside Ten Downer Street to sample a lot of our goods um, for the event, we also had some of our products that were taken around via the caterers in Ten Downer Street to give to all of the guests also. Um, and I was actually honoured by the ex chancellor in in that reception that was that was in Ten Downer Street. Um, just in regards to what the business has been doing and what we have done in the past couple of years and the impacts that we're having in, in terms of community-wise. And it was a it was a really nice moment as well also because my mum was there to actually see this all happening. Um, and I think it kind of took her back and kind of gave her that overwhelming kind of feeling. I think just for the sheer fact that, you know, they, they came to this country with nothing. and to be in such a powerful institution in this country, you know, having recognition of our brand, it was something that she was really proud of. And um, for me, sometimes I get kind of, uh, I have such a fast driven mind. Sometimes I don't really pay attention as much to the moment. So I'm already in like 2022 in terms of where my mind is thinking. And, but it was, it, I've also realized that now is really important to, to, take time and you know be in the present as well and 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 take on board and acknowledge what is happening now so that's that's how that all happened basically because now we have a very different situation and i totally agree with you there's nothing more important than when you are the uh, the, the the owner the ceo of a business you need to be not only in the front line with your employees but also out there talking to the world about your story and why 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 it matters in a way and you need to be the the front line for that if that on social media or that's a face to face and and I think that's uh that's the change we will see as well the the the, the companies or the CEOs there's has a really good story an authentic story like yourself will definitely uh have a have a different role to play than ever and it's not just a role in running a business it's also as you mentioned before we went on live here with the conversation it's about uh, how you contribute to the community and finding out what your role is and what you can do. We can all do small things, and it's just the small things that matters, as you said as well. So I think that's that's very well put there before. But now now we have a totally different situation. We are in a, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, a new territory for any business leader. What what does uh, that mean for Uncle John's Bakery and yourself as? Uh, the, the the md for the business what 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 happened at that point and what, where where are you now with things and how has impacted the business i mean for us it was when when the pandemic was start well it's it started from the beginning of the year and when it when it started to really kind of impact you know things within the uk it was quite difficult because psychologically you know with business you always try and tend to think you know, you've got your forecast for how you want to do things three months, six months, 12 months, two years down the line. But the situation came and it was kind of like a standstill. What is going to happen? And when you're in charge and when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're leading the team, the main thing to think about for me was the staff. How are they feeling? Um, and how comfortable are they with this situation? And, you know, just, just ensuring them that we are still operating. Luckily enough, we were an, were an essential essential business as well. So we supply um, Morrisons nationwide. So for us, it you know, on, on that side of things, people were literally mass buying. So for us, it was, it was good in terms of orders, but our retail side took a hit. Um, the footfall of people coming into the store was much less. And when it gets like that, the disheartening that comes from, you know, our staff members and how they feel in terms of that, you know, not enough customers are coming in and they may start to panic in terms of, you know, the business is not going to maybe might not sustain itself. And I think the ethos that has taken us through 
the early stages of the business is is something that is still intact for now, which is the saying, which is obeye, which is things will get better. And I think that transcends not just across our business, but throughout the community, throughout different regions, throughout the whole country. And it's it's, it's important to always remember and realise that things sometimes have to go bad in order to get better. And it's hard to have that foresight and see it. But those that do see that foresight is to install the hope in everybody else to also show them and and give them that that chance to believe that things are going to get better and will get better. It's just that it, you do you, you get blindsided by the situation that we're in, which is not not an easy situation at all. Yeah, because you, it it becomes over consuming. It feels like it's forever, doesn't it? And but but as your mom said very cleverly, life will get better. And uh, and uh, you know, and I I think it's about you know also you said before being in the now and enjoying those small moments as a business owner because you also have to radically accept you can't win in the same way you did in March or early March. It's just not possible to get these outcomes. It's not possible to 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 get the same speed. And you mentioned the the speed of London. The the speed of London is totally taken off. Uh, I've been there once or during the uh, pandemic and I've never seen it so quiet. Uh, this fast-paced environment, lived there myself, um, now moved outside London and it's just it's just lost that. It's like London is in reflection in a way and thereby business is also in reflection. Did you see then uh, a change in uh, the way people ordered with you and stuff like that? I guess you, you, you would still sell product to your wholesale supermarkets. Did you see that? explode rapidly now that you didn't have the, the the footfall in the retail bit of the business i mean it it increased um a bit but i think that was just for a short period of time just because people were panic buying also another reason why it was quite difficult because as i mentioned before earlier that my 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 parents still you know have a have a foot in the business they still come in every now and again but they were they because of the lockdown situation they were actually trapped in ghana so they went away um early february and couldn't basically come back throughout pretty much throughout the whole up to up to now pretty much my my mum's back in the country she managed to come back i think probably it was like mid august um she managed to to get to get her to kind of like a chartered flight and come back and but my dad's still in ghana at the moment and for me it was quite a i would say almost like a lonely time in terms of trying to think about what to do and how we're going to manage this situation because it's it's a new situation. No one knows what's coming tomorrow. No one knows exactly what the true impact of it's going to be. Um, but the first thing that came to mind for me was, you know, trying to sustain a biz- business as best as possible. So we did close, we closed our store for a couple of days um and during that time it was just basically to find out from the staff in terms of how they felt and how they were feeling with things uh making sure that we had a lot of the social distancing measures in place and and following the government guidelines in regards to in regards to stores and retail um and the next thing was basically now utilizing technology to our advantage to make sure we can get access to the customers that normally buy from us that can't leave their homes um and also accessing new customers so that came around from making sure that we were on a platform like uber eats we were on we we um, were on deliveroo updating our our social sites with 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 new store times um and and that began to start building up a lot of traction um i think now we're in a digital age and digitization of business is so important now more than ever just because everyone is on their phones um and i think to capture that audience or to capture people now is is going it's much more it's a bit more harder than it was before but because people are on their phones their attention spans are not as much as it used to be so you have to basically engage with people via technology because that's where they are um and for us that was that was a a kind of major turn in terms of how we were going to adapt to this situation and i think that's the way my mind kind of shifted more towards and focused on um up to today 
Interesting what you're saying because a lot of uh, MD CEOs and founders I've been talking to the last six months have said exactly the same. It's like this digital roadmap suddenly were speeded up in food uh, and restaurants and hospitality in general. Suddenly we were three, three, five years into what they would in the pace they normally would do done things and and of course uh, they they needed to, to to create that revenue as you said and have you then seen that sustain after you did this shift to delivery with Uber and uh, gone on your own website online selling and have you seen that the sales has been sustained there has it uh, has it added sales or has it actually cannibalized some of the the sales you normally would have from uh, footfall traffic. I mean, it adds it adds into sales. Um, I think just due to the simple fact that now marketing tied in with you know the digitization of a business online opens you up to a whole new portal, gives you access to people maybe that you may not have had access to from before. And you know, we were fortunate enough to do a campaign, massive campaign actually with Google, um, and you know, it was basically just talking about small businesses and and how and how we've been able to utilize, you know, Google's My Business platform and, and update customers in regards to the pandemic and how we are available via online. And that that gave us a real good push in terms of accessing a whole new audience. But again, there were limitations. So our limitations with that was we only went out to a three mile radius from our store. Um, and then that brought me on to building a platform on our website. And the website actually was in a new website that we had done went up literally a month before the whole lockdown happened. So for me, I always knew that digitization was coming. It's it's it's, it's apparent in a, in many other industries, and it was only a matter of time before it was going to come in in food and be very prominent. Um, you know, we see that now with Uber, with you know, with, with taxi service, and people can literally call it, you know, by themselves. They don't have to go to a, a cab station that, as they used to before, or flag down a black cab as they used to before they just literally have the power to access what they need and you know that was always going to happen with food um also so making that decision to you know create a new website and implement that platform was something that I was doing for this year anyway but the pandemic just sped up that whole process and operation during the pandemic what is the biggest surprise you had and uh, and, and and why to be honest the biggest surprise I would say is 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 the resilience of people. That's my biggest surprise because there is a lot of fear that's installed in the community. There's a lot of fear that people have, and you know, taking this pandemic seriously, it, there are people that you know that are maybe extended or or family or people that you may know of that have either caught it that maybe not have as much symptoms and stuff like that, and it's. The resilience of people that are that are willing to still kind of try to come out, try to support, try to, you know, the the impact of the true support of small businesses and communities, that has shown me. Um, I was quite I was quite surprised by that. Should I be surprised? To be honest, no, because I think people now have always wanted to support locally, but I think also the biggest surprise is seeing the larger corporations incorporate that support. Yeah, can you tell me a bit more about that? How how have you seen that with the, the larger corporation going more local? Like it's just like uh, us doing the Google campaign. Um, you know, we I wouldn't imagine that we would do a campaign with Google, especially at this kind of. If the pandemic wasn't there, I don't think we would be fitting for a campaign that they were they were going to do. But I think just through our our initiative of you know when the pandemic happened. Again, our focus is also always going to be, you know, being part of the community. And one of the things also that we we did as an initiative was, you know, a lot of the NHS staff workers on the front line that weren't able to get, you know, food inside the supermarket because of the panic buying that was going on. We offered NHS staff a free loaf of bread um, at any time when they came into store and showed their ID um, just so that they, they, they know they can come in guaranteed, can get a loaf of bread. Um, and you know, take it home to their families. And for us, that generated a lot of traction because people supported supported that, and you know, spread that. That was spread pretty much throughout the whole NHS network. And again, we're a small family business. We're not we're not like a, a, a massive large corporation. So 
we just did what we can. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the exposure. It was just about trying to help in 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 the time and you know do what we thought we could do. Um, and I think that kind of transcended more in terms of like I said, blessing for us to receive. You know, doing this partnership with Google, which you know gave us the scope, and we went out to different publications. Um, we did. We had a campaign partly with the with the Daily Express with the guardian the times um uh, we had the ad spin on lbc capital radio so it, it really it really branched out the the business in in that kind of capacity and um it it kind of helped us a lot in terms of exposure in terms of understanding and you know the purpose of what we do as a as a business and as being part of the community and i think that's what people are buying into and larger corporations realize that more now and are supporting that um, because I think the gap was very big in regards to large corporations and smaller businesses. But I think now it's, it, it, the people are going to always drive what, what happens um, with a large corporation or a smaller business. And I think they're realizing now it's, it's what people want matters more than anything yeah, and I guess we we I touched on a bit before business and people have changed forever, and and we we have different needs, and you can see it in any local area. You will probably see that the local butcher, uh, baker, uh, fruit, uh, guy and veg guy, they are probably picking up businesses as new platforms like Click It Local coming up, and it it's super interesting to see that how quickly that switch was because you could see that was happening already to say free and i think now that uh, the savvy consumer as i call them after the pandemic really understands where how to spend their maybe let's call them food dollars better and actually and actually you know uh, support our, our around this community because maybe in some corporates views they will not be there for the community when it really gets tough you know they they are not opening the store every day they're not feeding the dnss workers uh they are not not doing these things and we could be going into a a similar situation as you just described you know we could go into a very tough period where we all just need to come a bit more together and help each other and i think that's one of the things as well the the pandemic has showed us we have been come a bit too uh individualistic uh very driven by values about uh performance and uh, what's in it for me in kind of way uh, and forgot a bit about it's about you know the the, the greater good of everyone so i think you, you you're absolutely right about that how do you see that uh, you know with all this change going on and you know there's so much talk about you know future for retail food and drinks businesses um uh, and it's like, you know, right now, if you go into the, the media, it looks very, very dire uh, in a way. But how do you see the future and how do you see yourself and Uncle John's Bakery within that? I mean, how we see ourselves and how I see myself looking at this whole situation is just to be as resilient as possible. Um, and, you know, being as optimistic, but not, you know, letting the situation overwhelm too much. Um, people are always going to need to eat. That is, you know, a key fundamental to survival. And how we do that as a business and how we can facilitate within the community is is where the true kind of answer lies. So digitization of business now is 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 so important um, in the food industry because that gave, that gives us direct access to consumers much more than it was before. Um, and I think people now want to, you know, they, they, they want an experience. They want to experience different things. That's just, a, that's just the culture of how we live in the UK. You know, people want to try different things. People, you know, love to travel. People want to see different things. So giving direct access to people and to consumers with, with that, especially with if, if you've got a business that is very diverse, is, you know, this is the time to really showcase that and, and you know, set foot in the market and, and place yourself there. That's very well spotted because I guess also people want to have these niche experience and buy from from real people. And I guess that's also what you've seen during the pandemic uh, is that people really want to understand who's behind the business. You mentioned that before also, but what what are you doing to the product? 
and are you transparent about that? Because people have understood that, you know, their health, their diet and health is very well connected and also um, other things like exercise. And so, so we've probably never been healthier as a nation uh, than we are right now because we're so much more aware, no matter what kind of income level you are, you understand that there's something that's good for you and there's something that's bad for you. And it, it's an highlighted because you don't want to get ill. You don't want to pick up this illness. And if you do, if you your diet is, is, is pure and it's not good quality, then there will be a, a bigger impact on maybe you and maybe you actually would have bigger consequences out of becoming ill with COVID. Yeah. And I mean, do you know, what? I think even with like, you know, with, even with the fact of a lot of businesses now being people wanting to know exactly who's behind it and what is going on and what you guys are doing. And, you know, social media plays a massive part in that and having people want to, you know, maybe send a message or or a direct message to say on Instagram or Facebook and say, you know, what, what do you, what, what can we do to, to make things better? And what are you putting in the food? Or, you know, I spotted this and I think you guys could do this. And I think that direct conversation, that feedback that you get from a consumer, not it going through, you know, we still have a customer service um, system in place, but having, having that direct access also gives people confidence and, and and confidence and trust in business is is something that that, that gives you sustainability over a duration of time um, and for the foreseeable future as well. So, making sure that you're accessible, or making sure that your your you know your social media side is is um is on point within business, and you are able to to directly talk to consumers and you know showcase what you do, show them what it's like even behind the scenes of what you do, just gives them that understanding of you know we we feel like we are part of this um this this company this journey and for us as well it's it's people feel like they're part of the family and part of you know what we do as a business and that kind of extended family ethos that we have within within the company is is something that transcends across different generations and you know there there are many many people now that are you know that were born in like the early 2000s or the, in the in the 90s where their parents used to come and buy our products and they've grown up knowing our products they are now teenagers they are now young adults and and they always remember that nostalgia of 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 why you know they they their parents bought this product and how much they they love it and and they are now seeing and supporting what we are doing and moving forward so for us as well making sure that we are capturing that audience and 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 connecting with that with that customer base is is really important especially in 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 this time as well because people want to see people want to see more they don't just want to hear things they want to see more yeah and i guess they want to see the evidence on that that's what you the story you're telling is actually adding up and you're actually acting and doing on the beliefs and behaviors and values you say you are as a business owner yeah yeah yeah. How do you think it looks in uh, the high street looks in 12 to, to 18 months? Because you are on the high street yourself. But how, how do you think it would look in 12 to 18 months? There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, prognosis on that it's going to look uh, half empty even. You know, 50 to 60% of retailers, hospitality and restaurants are should be are, are gone by then because they can't sustain business through the next six months because of the new uh, uh, new situation there is that it doesn't look too there's going to be a, a very bright uh, future for the next six months and it's going to be very difficult for them to either, either pay landlords or anything there's so many different levels of, of of sustainability that needs to happen in order to for us to keep our high streets going um, there is going to be a lot of businesses that are not going to be able to sustain that there, there may be some businesses that are able that are going to be able to sustain that, um, but I think what it's going to look like in the next twelve to eighteen months is is, is a bit kind of hard to tell. Um, it, I think people, it got to a point people did start getting a bit more confident with coming out a bit more and you know being being in stores and 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 you know coming out to try things. I think that's just part of the culture of what we're in especially in the UK people love to be out people want to go to to try things but at the same time I just feel like with now the added extra measures of lockdown that are in place it's it's 
it's brought people to another standpoint where they feel a bit more reluctant to go out. So maybe I think this point is going to kind of hit harder more than ever, especially especially within hospitality because of you know bars, pubs, restaurants that have to close at 10 o'clock. They're going to be hit in such a major way because we know from like Thursday to frat to, to a Saturday night, that's when people are out. That's when people are out with their spouses, friends, family, and not being able to be out and being capped at a certain time is going to hit business a lot. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of, I think it's, it's, it's really kind of hard, but I think just as an industry on a whole, it's about kind of sharing as many ideas as possible um, and and also trying to come together because I think industries also need to work real closely with each other in order to to survive, in order to understand, in order to to create partnerships that can try and sustain moving forward. Um, so these are the kind of conversations and things that need to be in place in order to make things hopefully okay um, for for tomorrow. Um, but I think a lot of the time it's a bit clouded because I think everyone is just focusing just on today. And, you know, even today is a bit uncertain in in, in certain ways. So it's, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time to really kind of really understand exactly what's going to happen. And I think, is again, you mentioned a couple of times and I think it sums up to this again. We talked, I think we talked about before we went live as well, is that, you know, radical acceptance of the situation, but keep moving your feet and have faith in a better future, even though how dark it looks, as your mom says. Again, it's such a beautiful quote, life will get better. What kind of advice, because in the end of the podcast, we always ask the guests to give uh, you know, the, the, their top three advice to, to other leaders out there, people out there. What would your advice be as we stand in this moment of time? Your advice, of course, can change in a moment of time because something happens. But from what you know right now, what would your top three advice be to, to, to other independent business owners and business owners in general out there? I would definitely say at this present moment in time, uh, advice-wise, I always kind of say stay true to yourself. Stay true to your beliefs and stay true to your purpose, Um, especially in this kind of time because that is what's going to kind of help carry you through. Um, Stay resilient. Stay as proactive as possible. and also, I would say keep things simple but innovate. Um, we're at, we're in a time where there is a lot of shift, there is a lot of change, and I think within within that shift and within that change comes a lot of um, opportunities. Um, and we've we've seen it we've seen it happen throughout history. We've seen it in a financial crash that happened, and there there are opportunities that can be that can be. Um, you know, taken taken into consideration, but it's just a matter of of you know trying to sustain your mind as possible because this is not just a financial thing that is going on at the moment. It's it's a it's a mental thing that is going on. It's a physical thing that is going on. So it, it's, it's it takes a toll on people to a whole another level. And I think especially with business owners and independent you know, business owners and, and food manufacturers and people that are within the industry is very important to to try and have that resilience and, you know, just be also be courteous of, of people that you are around and, and you know, just be a, just a, a good human being in this time because we, we don't know what tomorrow is really going to bring. Um, but I always have this kind of saying is that, you, it's all well and good to 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 you know to think of later, but you have to you have to you know live in the moment, prepare now. When tomorrow comes, then that preparation will meet the opportunity, and you know staying resilient and staying giving keeping hope is what's gonna you know keep you through. I think I've probably even said more than three, but. Yeah, I think I think, uh, but some of them could be. Uh, if I, I if I uh, put them together in a way, what you're saying is that you know, uh, uh, stay stay resilient and and take care of yourself and make sure that uh, that your mind and body is uh, on top of uh, the top game it can be. And then you said uh, be proactive still, you know, keep moving the feet as I call it as well. Uh, 
uh, even though how hard it is to show up and, and try to do your best every day. And then uh, there was the whole thing about caring and understanding and empathy, which I think it's very important. We touched on it a couple of times as well. So I think it's great advice. And I, I think it can't be said too many times. Um, I think I think I would finish this conversation. Uh, I'll, I'll try to say your mom's uh, uh, quote in, uh, in 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 the right way, and then you can correct me if I don't get it right. Yeah, go for it, go for it. <laughs> I know, I know, I've been around this quote a couple of times, but I, since I saw it on the website, I've just been in love with it. Uh, Obi yeah yeah yeah. So it's o it's Obe yeah yeah. So Obe yeah yeah. Obe yeah yeah. Yeah. Life will get better. Yes. So let's leave the listeners with that and uh, if they want to get in touch with you sam uh, in any way how do they do that um so first and foremost you can go onto our website which is the unclejohnsbakery.com you can find us on instagram which is uncle john's bakery you can find us on facebook uncle john's bakery on twitter uncle john bakery um and also on my instagram also is smxuk and yeah, I'm always, you know, open to having discussions and, and you know, just kind of just trying to to meet like minded people and and you know, you know, better things for 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 now and for the future. Yeah, and, and the last note I'll put in because I think Sam was a bit humble. He he also has the the a podcast that's called The End Goal, where he talks about his business journey with other business owners. So if you are a early stage entrepreneur in this situation, I'm sure there's a lot of great insights to to pick up on on that podcast as well no thank you yeah, i didn't i didn't want to do too much of a shameless plug so <laughs> i i knew i knew let leave uh the listeners will that life will get better sam and uh hopefully when we connect in some time we will tell about uh a new and better future within food and communities and uh our planet thank you very much for coming on the uh, the podcast no thank you michael for for bringing me on i appreciate the the um the chat and the opportunity and it was a great conversation sam thank you so much fascinating journey and thanks for your great advice and more important hope so everybody remember out there ob yay yay life will get better if you would like to get inspired by a similar story of a family business, you should tune in to episode 56, Heartfelt Hospitality with Nina Jeffra-Stevenson, Chief Culture Officer at Point A Hotels. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com or just use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening and be maverick.